The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. If you like this show, we appreciate it if you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just want to thank our new sponsor, All Inclusive with Jay Ruderman. It's a podcast focused on inclusion and social justice. Some great interviews on that show. Check it out. Find it on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere else you find your podcast or go to All Inclusive Podcast. Dot com. I thought it would be a good idea to have a, a dynamic lawyer and someone who is an expert in white-collar crime, which always fascinates everyone for some reason. And he's got a video podcast we're going to tell you about, and we're going to do all kinds of fun stuff. It's Jason Chan is in the virtual studio. How are you, my friend? David, I'm great. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. So where are you now? Home, office, or... Is it the same now or what? <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's absolute blur, David. Yes. I am in my home office, but at this point, I'm not sure we <laughs> can really tell the difference. Yeah, I'm I'm so betwixt and between. I'm actually in my home right now, but my virtual background is my studio, which is so go figure. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Or maybe I should be in my studio with a virtual background of a nice living room. Could be either. So, Jason, Seed Chan and Associates is the name of your firm, if I've got that correctly. And, That's correct, David. And just to make sure I don't forget to plug, bostonwhitecollarcriminaldefense.com is a URL. That now, how long ago did you have to grab that URL? <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a little tricky to figure out which one to get, but we're, we're happy to have this one. It's a pretty, pretty darn good one. We're going to hear about what Jason does, but I thought it might be fun to kick things off with a session of burning questions. Play the burning questions intro, Dave. Come on, let's go. Here we go. Just one more thing. I have a riddle for you. Answer the question. All right. Our team of question writers has been hard at work, and I'm going to share my screen with Jason. You can't see that at home, folks, but... Trust that there are just cool graphics that go along with this. Question number one, my friend. If you could be Batman or Robin, which one would you be? Definitely would be Batman. But it was funny because my partner one time was negging me. Mm -hmm. And he writes to me in a text message to say, hey, thanks. Thanks, Robin, for all that hard work. So (laughs) implying that he's Batman. So I write back, thanks, Alfred. Really appreciate you getting the (laughs) car. Well played. Well played. Yeah. If someone calls you Robin, you just call them Alfred, the old guy in the back with the gadgets. Good call. What's in your fridge right now? Watermelon. Summertime. <laughs> we love it. Watermelon is wow. a thing for us. I think that's the correct answer. Nicely done. <laughs> yeah, watermelon is something you, you don't you have I feel like we haven't seen in forever because we haven't been outside, which is where you gotta eat watermelon outside so you can spit the seeds and have a contest. All right. If you were a star, a character from Star Wars, which would you be? You're- you know, I, I always wanted to be Luke Skywalker, but mm-hmm. it's probably more a Han Solo, right? Out mm-hmm. there just slinging it. 
that's probably more of what I actually do from day to day. Because much of what you do is your own universe, I take it, right? Or I mean, he's a cowboy almost in the <laughs> wild west of the outer space, right? So I yeah. think that's what most criminal defense attorneys kind yeah. of uh, see themselves I think I was in my late 30s before I realized that the reason why he's named Han Solo is obvious. And don't know how Chewie got his name, but good answer. <laughs> Using a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being, I don't know, Joe Biden, I guess, and 10, no, he's pretty weird, never mind, and 10 being Weird Al Yankovic. How weird are, are you? I would say that I'm all that weird, probably a 5, somewhere in between, a little quirky, but not all that weird. Yeah, you don't you don't want to be... 10 and you also don't want to be one so all right this is one of these stock interview questions that's supposed to be genius how would you market ping pong balls if ping pong itself became obsolete well you know back in my college days they had different games for ping pong balls that didn't require paddles so i would say probably marketing to college students is probably the way to go there you go yeah and then no judgment there we've all played our share of beer pong in the past I have a thing about beer pong because it, it was the, it was our chosen game at my fraternity in college, as it was for a lot of fraternities. But we played it with paddles. What they call beer pong now is just kids throw, throwing the ball into the into the cup, right? Which is fine, but we called those like we called that something different. But you had to actually hit the ball into the cup or hit the cup. It was a proud sport, and I'm I'm just I lament that they've robbed. Robbed it from us. All right. Tell us about the worst boss you ever had. Without You know, I've actually had been pretty lucky that I've had some really good bosses. Uh, but I once worked at a shoe selling shoes in high school, mm-hmm. like a sports store. And my boss, who was super nice to me, had a severe drinking problem. Oh, boy. So, yeah, that was hard because just kind of... <laughs> And I was I was young, so like we would kind of go to different stores together. And he multiple times jumped curves, curbs <laughs> with his car. So that was a little scary. So this is what this is while you're in the car with him. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh. Like we're delivering stuff, and mm. it was kind of scary. But he was super nice to me. He was such a nice guy. But he had unfortunately he had a really bad drinking problem. Yeah, that that's always an eye opening experience as a young person when you realize the stories of people out in the workplace who have substance abuse problems or other nutty problems that they actually exist. I, I worked, I worked as a bartender at a place called diamond Jim's piano bar, which used to be in the Lennox hotel in Boston. And it seemed like the whole staff was addicted to some kind of substance. And the, the, the head bartender guy gave me a ride home once and I got in the car with him and he, and he goes, flying down like Boylston street in Boston at like 80 miles an hour, like weaving in between traffic. And I'm like, I'm going to die. This is how it's going it's to end. You know, Eric, the coked up uh, bartender is going to kill me. Here's a question. What makes you angry? What really makes you angry? Well, my kids are fighting and over something really dumb that drives me absolute bananas. Cause they, not like any of them sleep well either. Yep. So like during the day, like my patience even less, less for them. But I think that's one of the things that, that just makes me upset. <laughs> We're just fighting over the dumbest things. How old are the kids? I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. So Wow. Yeah, in the thick of it. Yeah, and so the end of this pandemic is like a Shawshank Redemption moment for you escaping, I take it. 
Well, we're, we're hoping we can hit some certifications this year because we missed out last year. So, you know, first world problems, but we're, we're hopeful. Okay. Well, <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Let's see. That's I'm going to skip over that question because it was about the election. And now here's a question about a COVID mask. And I think I'm going to skip over that too. Well, what are you looking forward to doing when the pandemic ends since we're on the precipice of that? So my parents are older. So the thing that I'm very looking forward to is having my children hang out with them consistently again. So we used to do that a lot before the pandemic started. We're all in, we're all kind of clustered in the same area in Massachusetts, but we've been kind of avoiding it until everyone's like fully vaccinated because we're still going to school. So I think uh, family time is definitely like big on our list. Yeah. Same. My parents are in their early eighties, but that's still up there in age. And you know, I, they, you know, they've had very fulfilling lives, but the, one of the, their favorite things to do now is to see their grandchildren and they're only, yeah. yeah, And so a year without hugging your grandchildren, that, that's, that sounds like, a special kind of hell for people who really need that in their lives. So I'm with you on that one. What do you listen to in the car? So usually two things. I listen to the sports hub a lot. I listen to your podcast, obviously. Well, thank you. And then I listen to NPR a lot too. The, how do you feel about the state of Boston sports radio? Not great. (laughs) It's really not great. You could have. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it used to be better. I don't know what happened. We used to get, well, you used to listen to Mike and Mike in the morning. So that, that at least that gave you something. And then that disaster happened. So now yeah. they haven't really filled that void much. Yeah. Mike and Mike always put on a good show, whether you watched them on TV or, or on the radio, because they had planned segments and they had good guests. And since the sports radio thing dawned in Boston in the, I want to say the mid to late nineties, it, it, it hit, they've never gotten it right at any given point, I, I think, because they're a victim of their own success. They're, they're successful, so they don't have to program creatively. And usually it's, it's so you get a whole lot of, hi, this is uh, Billy from Chelmsford. I first time, long time. <laughs> first time, long time. I think they should sit Mac Jones for eight games. And uh, I'll hang up and listen to your answer off the air. Just terrible. It's it's uh, it's terrible. With the exception of Nick Stevens, who's uh, a pal of mine and a friend of Pod Six One Seven, who you may know as Fitzy, so he's okay. All right, we'll make this the last uh, question. Have you ever had a nickname, Jason? And if so, what is it? My nickname was Iceman when I was playing <laughs> basketball because it was just you know, ice in my veins. I guess that was the thing. So come on, a- are you yes. serious? Yeah, it's absolutely true. Yeah. So tell me about your basketball career. Why are you not in the NBA, Iceman? My my basketball career was very short. And <laughs> before anything else, we did, you know, in high school, we did make it to a state championship, not on skill, mostly on grit. We lost, but, you know, that's the end of my career. I still try to play now recreationally. Where, where did you go to high school? So I went to a small little town that most people haven't heard about. It's called Hopedale, Massachusetts. Okay. And yeah, so a lot of my friends and my folks still live there. The closest landmark would probably be the Menden Drive-In. That's oh, yeah. by May now. Yeah. That's about five miles away from my house. Oh, okay. It's actually not yeah. too far from, I'm in Sharon. It's actually not that far. And, but that's, that's funny. I'd never heard of Hopedale. So that, that was the, um, 
Division 12 uh, championship? No, I should, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I mean, it's. I, I don't think it's like off the map. I think yep. they were, we were just playing people in like farmland. Uh, but my father moved to the one town that didn't have a Chinese restaurant and opened one up. So it was right up the street from the driving. Oh. Up. Yeah. And is, is that restaurant still around? No, it's yeah. now Dunkin' Donuts, but I remember <laughs> many years of rolling crab rangoons in the back. So, <laughs> oh, man. We, we do that sometimes. We we hang out, and I'll teach you how to properly wrap, wrap a crab rangoon. And what was your game in basketball? Were you a, a shooter, yep. distributor? I was. I was too short to play in the middle, so mm-hmm. I, I stayed on the outside. So, you know, I, mean, I had a decent shot, and I still try to play now, but it's it's harder when you're getting older. There's no question. Yeah, it, yeah. basketball is probably the sport where that the – phenomenon evidence is more than others and that phenomenon i'm referring to is when your your brain is telling your body to do something and your body isn't doing it like i the 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 last few times i've tried to play hoops it's like there'll be a loose ball like two yards from where i am and in my head i've already picked picked it up and i'm throwing it to a teammate but my body's not there yet and and then i you will probably stumble or something yeah i was i played in high school at Milton Academy, I was the co-captain my senior year and led the team to a 6-12 and 12 record. So that's how things worked out for us. But it worked out for Jason because you've passed the burning question segment of the show. Thank, congratulations. Thank you very much. So, <laughs> so tell us how you spend most of your time as a, as a white-collar criminal lawyer because to those on the outside, it sounds sounds like a, a kind of a glamorous job. You're, you know, you defending people who are accused of, you know, corporate treason or things like that. But tell us what life is really like as a white collar criminal defense lawyer. Most of the time it's like herding sheep, you know, it's, it's putting out fires, right? So generally how these cases start. Yeah. You know, you'll see like the big television stuff, like, you know, the FBI is kicking down a door, right? right. You know, they seize a bunch of stuff and, and that's kind of like what we see on television, but and a lot in real life, it's, it usually starts a little differently, right? That can happen that way if it's like a big enough high profile case. But a lot of it is just, they might get a subpoena in the mail. They might get a phone call and say, hey, we just want to talk to you. Mm. And that's never a good idea, right? So maybe the IRS wants to talk to you, the SEC, or maybe someone's like, you know, it seems like there's a lot of people at your bank who's making bank accounts for people who never wanted bank accounts. Mm. Let's have a conversation. So those are generally how investigations start, right? It's not this like huge high profile SWAT team busting down your door with smoke grenades, right? A lot of it's just kind of seems benign. You get a letter, you get a phone call, and that's kind of how it starts. Mm-hmm. And how how much time do you, I know that lawyers typically don't go to court as much as one might think. Have you tried some cases in your time? Oh, yeah. We try a lot of cases yeah. in our time. And I would say... Even for us, it, it, you're completely right. Like most of the work is prep work. Most of the work is talking to your client to kind of figure out how the, um, to progress with their case. But there's also a lot of data, right, that you have to cut through. So the form of discovery in white collar crime cases come through a ton of data. So one of the cases that we have had a terabyte of data. So you have to be able to kind of cut through it all and kind of figure out what's important, what's not, and what's kind of like the best case scenario for your client. Yeah, I'm reminded of the scene in the the movie Class Action, which actually it wasn't that good. But I think Gene Hackman, <laughs> Gene Hackman was involved. But it was like a small firm who was in this you know corporate dispute with a lot much larger firm. No, I mean it was. Let's see, the name of the movie was Class Action, so it must have been a class action suit. Yeah, good, Dave. Anyway, the point of the story is <laughs> that the, the 
the big firm would would paper the small firm like crazy. So if they if they asked for, you know, all the data from, you know, 1987 involving emails to the corporate department, the the big firm would send over like truckloads of of files and they're like, "Well, it's in there somewhere," you know. And so and <laughs> so that a lot of that I, I is is the kind of prep work that you're that you're describing. What is what are do you think the biggest misconception about criminal law? Yeah, so I think task. the biggest misconception about criminal law is, as a result, of what we see on television. Mm-hmm. A lot of the rules that govern lawyers are are makes makes defending a case or even prosecuting a case very difficult, right? Mm-hmm. But usually, there's like on television, you'll see this moment that's uh, you know, few good men or whatever whatever movie yeah. it is. There's always like an aha moment mm-hmm. that never really happens, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Out of all the attorneys I know, that might have happened once in like a generation, right? You never get that moment that you have a witness who's breaking down the stands, like, oh my God, I did it. I'm so sorry. I can't believe I did. I want to apologize to everyone. And that moment just generally doesn't happen on either side. So, you know, a lot of the stuff that we do is very nuanced and it's not really great in terms of television, right? It's mm-hmm. not going to be like, well, he kind of won on these three technicalities. They want right. that aha moment, and that that aha moment is is very very infrequent. Yeah, I wrote a column once when I used to work for Lawyers Weekly about myths, and one of the myths was that that there are those kind of moments, and the 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 one that's famous, which has been depicted in probably more than one movie, is you know there'll be a murder trial, and the criminal defense attorney will say. You know, a body's never been found in this case. And the reason why is that the victim of this murder is still alive and is about to walk through the courtroom right now. And then he'll <laughs> pause and go, now, he didn't come in. But how many of you looked at the door? And if you looked at the door, don't you have a reasonable doubt as to whether or not this murder occurred? And, uh, I mean, that would be, that would, like, never happen. And, <laughs> and so it, it is funny how that it's it's dramatized to, to such a degree. So... Let's talk about your podcast. You have a video podcast. Wow. And again, go. I guess the best way is to go to your website to find it. Yeah, so best way is going to our website. We'll also bring it to the YouTube channel. So we have a lot of great guests on it, mostly people with much more knowledge about <laughs> this stuff than I do. And there's usually a criminal tilt to it. So the nice thing about our world or not nice thing about our world is that kind of in any type of area of practice or any type of business that you have of criminal issue, right? So we just have guests come on and, and talk about some of these issues that are very um, important. And a lot of it is very recent, right? So, you know, cyber breach, cyber ransomware, that's, that's kind of like a big thing right now. And then we have some investigators talk about some war stories that are extremely interesting. It occurs to me that you're in, in a line of work where a lot of your clients might actually break the law unwittingly. Does that, does that ever happen? Yeah, that does happen a lot. I mean, you, you certainly have bad actors, um, you know, and it, it, that's a really good point, David. So mm-hmm. one of the things that we do, too, is we represent a lot of people with, it could be an illegal kickback scheme, it could be insider trading scheme, it could be a price rigging scheme. And we do some trainings in this area, too, because sometimes it comes down to culture, right? People have this idea of, well, everyone else is doing it. And they're under a tremendous amount of pressure to essentially make a sale. So they think it's okay, but it really isn't, right? It's a, it's against the law. And maybe they haven't gone through the per- proper training to tell them that that's illegal. 
and they probably have an idea that it is, but where, where everyone else is doing it and the culture is very poor, it kind of puts people in a situation where they're not really sure of what's going on. They're like, maybe I can kind of get away with this. So they know something's wrong, but they probably don't think it's going to be a federal indictment, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you're right that a lot of people have like a gut feeling that's bad, but it depends on the culture. If the culture is bad, you know, a lot of people are probably going to do some bad stuff. Yeah. I'm reminded of the scene in the great TV show, The Office, which I, which I, everything comes back to The Office, but the, the, the accounting department, as is most of The Office, is pretty inept. And they hire someone who is actually an ex-con, and they hear his story, and he, he was involved in some white-collar trouble. And Kevin, the, the rotund accountant, does one of those shots to the camera where he says, you know, he, he described to me what he did and what he did did federal prison time for and it sounds like something we do every day <laughs> so, yeah, it's like yeah, exactly. some kind of accounting practice so and and typically it, is it generally true that ignorance is no defense that's that's like it's something you absolutely hear absolutely no defense yeah. it's absolutely no defense and we always tell people uh, a great episode by the way Mar- martin and and then you have uh prison mike yeah <laughs> there you go that's the prison episode. mike episode yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so yeah, it's it's absolutely no defense. And the other, you know, it might mitigate some of the issues in terms of like sentencing. You might be able to get a better resolution, but it's it's really a tough situation to be in. But we always tell people that if you're kind of hanging out and there's that episode where they're at the convention, right? That you have yep. competitors talking to each other. And whenever you're together and you're having a conversation, hey, wouldn't it be great? Stop yourself, right? Like it's whatever you got to say from there on out is got to be something that's terrible, yeah. right? Like, wouldn't it be great if we just could set a price? Wouldn't it be great if you go north of the city and I go south? Like all those things are wildly illegal, right? Yeah. So you don't want to be doing that. And, and it comes down to culture. You need to train your employees to make sure that they are not going to be incentivized to do something that's really illegal. And uh, his name is Jason Chan and find his podcast and other all the ways to get in touch with him at Boston White Collar Criminal Defense.com. It's a little bit of a mouthful, but as I've said, it's a it's a it's a great URL to have in your line of work. We are gonna play a round of good stuff before we go, where both Jason and I will recommend something good that might brighten your day. Before we do that, let me take one minute to remind you what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network, pod617.com is where you go if you want your own podcast. Would you like to be the next big podcast star? Or maybe the podcast is just a good vehicle. For you to reach your audience, it's a great way for professionals to connect with clients, with prospective clients, whether you're a lawyer or a business owner, a restaurant owner, or really anything in between. Have your voice heard through this exciting new medium. We'll take care of all the stuff that you don't know how to do. Go to pod617.com to get started. The Boston Podcast Network, in pod we trust. Hi, I'm Jay Rudiman. All Inclusive is a podcast focused on inclusion and social justice. Join me as I interview leaders and experts on the latest news focused on advocacy for social justice. In order to make progress that will lead to a more equitable future, honest discussions must be held. That is what All Inclusive is all about. Listen and subscribe to the All Inclusive podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Visit the show website for more information and full episode transcripts at www.allinclusivepodcast.com. All right, let's fire up the good stuff machine. Here we go. Oh, that's the good stuff. 
All right. Jason has had all of about 17 minutes to prepare for this, so cut him some slack if you don't like it, but I'm sure you will. Do you have, <laughs> do you have something to recommend to our listeners? So I'll rep- I'm going to recommend a show. So mm-hmm. Netflix, there's a show. If you like sci-fi, there's a show called Dark. It's mm. a German show that's been dubbed into English, or you can watch it in German with subtitles. Probably the best sci-fi show I have ever watched. It's really? Tremendous. It's tremendous. It's called Dark. It takes a little bit to kind of get into, but then once you're into it, it's incredible. Well, you stumped me, and I thought I had seen every television show that's ever created to date, so that's pretty good. So, yeah, Dark on Netflix. Normally at this point in the show, I would play the trailer, but since it would be in German, that would uh, not make sense. I think I think a lot of a lot of the foreign stuff that uh, that is starting to surface on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime – it, it's, you know, we're, we're such in our American bubble that we think all great TV comes from America, but it, just not so. There's a, there's a show made in Russia called To the Lake, I think is what it's called. I recommended it once before, but it's, about, it's actually about uh, a pandemic, and it was created before the pandemic. But just a great, great show. There's, there's a ton of great stuff from the BBC. So I'm going to have to check out Dark. Dark on Netflix. Excellent. I'll recommend something from the streaming world as well. This is on Hulu. It's a documentary series I just stumbled upon. I don't think it's been out that long. But it, it's, it's from the world of pro wrestling. And I, I'm not necessarily the biggest like guy when it comes to wrestling. My brother Adam used to be really into wrestling as a kid. But take a little brief listen to the trailer for this documentary series which is called dark side of the ring there was a period in the wrestling business where if you were crazy on screen you were crazy off screen you had to live your gimmick i brought out the sixty thousand dollar limo you had been chosen to be in a secret brotherhood and you kept those illusions private because it was a code the innocence of wrestling changed. Getting into wrestling is like getting into the mob. Once you're in, you're in. It can go the other way, too. I think my son was murdered. I almost know it. A man died. What's going on here? It takes guts to live, not guts to die. I popped him right off the ground. This is still upsetting. Wrestling's real. People are fake. That was Jake the Snake Roberts with that final bit of wisdom. So you haven't seen this, have you, Jason? No, I haven't seen it, but that looks tremendous. Yeah, that's it's. I mean, there've been a lot of documentaries about pro wrestling, but and to me, it's interesting because you know we grew. I grew up in the heyday of Hulk Hogan, and we always knew it was fake, and to to the degree that the the results of the matches were predetermined and eventually they just acknowledged that to me wrestling is actually a very interesting art form you know they're they're playing characters but right. the this documentary series is about times sometimes where the lines got blurred and where the enemies in the ring actually became enemies outside of the ring a lot of jealousy it's a very competitive thing and there's a lot of money involved and so you heard there's stories there's stories of murder there's stories of backstabbing both literal and figurative. And so Dark Side of the Ring, it's produced by Vice TV. You can find it on Hulu. Anytime Vice does something, it's, it's just really good, really well done. All right. So, 
Jason, you have passed the audition. I mean, let's you're a ringer. You got your own podcast already, so I'm not surprised you did so well today. But thank you for joining us. Anything else our listeners should know about getting in touch with you or have I done that? I think that's pretty much everything, but I also wanted to thank you because I went to one of your roundtables of podcasting, learned a ton, and really got a lot of great tips from my own podcast. So I think even when people who have their podcast should still contact you to always figure out how to do it better, to make it more clear, and to reach a wider audience. So I really appreciate the tips that you have given me. The check's in the mail for that, Jason. That's excellent. Yes. And so, yes, we do a monthly roundtable for podcasters and better practices for how to make your show the best it can be and get it out to the people you want to get it to. And if you're interested in that, this plug wasn't planned, I swear. To If you're interested in that, go to pod617.com slash roundtable. Thank you for listening to the Boston Podcast. Thanks to our sponsor, the All-Inclusive Podcast. Find that anywhere you find your pods. For Jason Chan, my name is Dave. And by the way, I'll say it one more time. Go to bostonwhitecollarcriminaldefense.com to get in touch with Jason and see his excellent video podcast series. On behalf of Jason, like I said, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody.